here once again. Don't leave to the judges podcast. I'm here with my main man, Patty Broker Skull. Patty. Yay. What's going on, guys? Or should I say hee hee? Because we got to see a Michael Jackson show up in this octagon. Well, did he show up? Hard to say. Did he get hurt? Kind of. Uh, did he actually participate in a real sanctioned MMA fight? Not really. Not really. Has he ever? So when I think of uh, this dude, like I, I, made, I made the reference of him being sort of a Brendan Schaub by the fact that he's coming into the, the fight game now after he's gained all this clout. And I, I promise you that's the only reason they want him. That's the same reason that they would sign somebody like Jake Paul because it keeps the UFC relevant. It keeps it interesting. It keeps people talking about the random ass storylines. But Michael Jackson made it out like he was better than he is because of the way he beat CM Punk. And then you see this and I was like, this is Kramer in fucking leather pants. This dude is so fucking stiff. I don't I don't know how he thinks he can even be a fighter. He couldn't play basketball well. Okay? That's just basic agility, dude. Can you even dribble a ball with both hands? I feel like this dude doesn't have any coordination. He was honestly trying to do like weird Nate Diaz shit, the way he was like flipping his arms around and stuff. Hey man, that only works for that guy. And it doesn't work for that guy. Look at his record. Can't you tell? But boy, I'm sure there's a lot of MMA fans that had watched this and thought the same thing. Like, why the fuck is this guy even here? And I promise you, when uh, Barry caught him, right, Dean Barry, uh, when he caught him up against the cage, I was like, finish him, finish him, kill him, kill him, make him retire today, you know? And then here we are. Well, what the fuck? No yeah, contest. Man. No, not a no contest. DQ win. So he's one and one now. <laughs> what the fuck? One, one and one. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, one one. And you're right, but uh, the thing, man, this fucking fight got me, dude. The guy looked fucking ridiculous. He had this weird side stance, like you were just talking about, and you could tell he's so full of confidence. The guy's got confidence just rolling off him. I'm better than you. I fucking I, I'm twenty and zero. I'm not zero and one at the time. I mean that's, and the guy is uh, he gets kicked in the nuts. Which looked pretty high and kind of on the leg to me, but you know I'll give it to him. Mm-hmm. But man, I think Paul Felder was pretty upset the way he was acting because he was rolling around on the ground, yelling and screaming like a fucking madman. Ah! I mean, I don't know if you caught the uh, dig by Paul Felder. Paul Felder's like, if you can have a conversation with the referee, then you can get up and fight. <laughs> He's fucking having That's a conversation exactly with the ref. That's what I had to say to you when it took place. I was like, this dude is talking. Talking so fucking much after he got kicked in the nuts. It's like they purposefully mic'd him up. Yeah. <laughs> this guy said stuff on the computer. I bet he could say, fuck that guy all the way. All the way. I mean, what a huge disappointment for the sport of mixed martial arts. This dude shouldn't have a contract in the UFC, let alone Bellator. All right? Stay on the computer, Mr. Truth. He gets right? up, and uh, Barry starts fucking teeing off on him. Get him up against the cage. Like you said, I'm just waiting for the finish. It's coming. Everybody can see it's coming. The guy's getting fucking pounded, trapped up against the cage. And there's the big bowling ball grip right in the eye socket. And I saw that, and I'm like, this guy's not going to fucking fight anymore. He's he's done. He's going to fucking talk his shit and just be done. But, uh, I mean, man, you got to have clear rules. We were already talking about this. From the previous card, because now the referee decides it's a uh, done on purpose. It's a purpose, you know, it, it's a DQ because yeah. it was an illegal strike. You know, it wasn't incidental. He didn't say it was incidental. But, uh, I mean, man, the guy, his fucking face was like down below. He could not see. He was not looking at what he was doing. Was he grabbing his fucking eye? Oh, yeah, he had his fingers jammed in his fucking eyeballs, his eye socket. But, uh, yeah. Mike Jackson, he was about to fucking get his ass kicked. He was about to lose. And this should have been a DQ, in my opinion. But what this referee has done, he's won somebody a lot of money. Because Mike Jackson was a plus 700 betting betting underdog. So fucking, I think this referee is hooked up with Yanni the Greek. He's got something fucking going on, man. I mean, a lot of money changed hands from calling us a, a fucking win versus a DQ. A lot of money change stands. Yeah, I don't I don't even know, man. I feel like there was no way for us to get away from this. Like there was gonna be something 
thing that happened in this fight that made this man continue to be relevant. Not as not even as a fighter, but as somebody who's willing to fight, I guess. I don't know what how do you be a fan of that? How do you be a fan of that knowing he has zero experience, knowing how Dana White feels about him? Like what are we doing, dude? This is becoming a circus. It's becoming cliché. They're doing too much shit that is so fucking predictable that it's gross. And I'll tell you what, man. I watched a clip on uh, Twitter yesterday or earlier today uh, where Chris Levin posted himself fighting Vanderlei Silva. And remember, there's a time where Chris Levin had that super red hair. Oh, yeah. That's the only reason he posted it, because people want him to do the red hair again. But this finish of Vanderlei Silva, bro, is incredible because Chris is kind of moving. You know, he was kind of stagnant. He would throw wide punches, much like Vanderlei, but he's he's kind of bouncing in and out. And they both kind of throw shots at the same time. Then they connect into a clinch. Levin grabs the back of Vanderlei's head and finish him with, finishes him with uppercuts, like six uppercuts. Bang, bang, bang. Puts him on his on his back. Dude, we don't see that shit no more. We don't see guys that are willing to go to the fucking firefight. We don't see guys that are willing to come out of there looking like Donald Cerrone or Mike Perry. You know what I mean? They're not willing to do that anymore. And I feel like we do have a fight coming up that might result in that. And Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler, or Justin Gaethje, Charles Oliveira. These are four dudes that for sure, you don't care who wins. It doesn't matter to you, to the, to the, to the viewer. It doesn't matter, dude. I don't care if Charles remains champion. Who gives a fuck? I want to see him and Gaethje go after because you know they will. And that's the thing that we that made us fans of the sport in the beginning was this balls-to-the-wall attitude that made Robbie Lawler, Jeremy Stevens, Chris Lieben, fascinating fighters, win or lose. That's why Nate Diaz has fans. It's not because he's a good fighter. It's because he's a fighter. As much shit as I talk about him, as boring as he is, the motherfucker goes in there and puts on a show. It's entertaining. That's what it's about, dude. And they forget this. There's too many guys that are like, well, I don't want to get a blemish on my record or I want to be able to fight for the next 25 years. Hey, man, the fight game's a short game. Go in there and, and fight like you're fighting for your life because essentially that's what you're doing. The better you, the more willing you are to fight for your life, the better your life is in the end. Look at Conor McGregor. Like these guys can do it and be super successful, never have to fight again in seven fights. You just got to figure out how to do it. But anyways, shout out Chris Lieben. Maybe we'll get him on the show. There you go. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, man, I don't know what all you want to talk about on this card, but I'm going to jump to this Macy Barber fight because I had this wrong, and, and I want to I come to my own defense on this because Macy Barber had not been the same Macy Barber since her, her injury against Roxy. And, I mean, she got the decision win here, but she was pretty much held Montana De La Rosa up against a cage and was laying bombs on her. She was fucking pounding on her. So I give it up, man. Macy Barber, back to her being herself. And I'm like, damn, I had that totally wrong. Dude, how did I know, how did I know she was going to meet someone to, to fucking get her back to herself? I don't know if you heard her speech after the fight. Shout out to S Macy. You look like the old Macy Barber. What happened? Shout out to such and such. I just met her yesterday for the first time. She's taught me so much. So anyway, I looked, looked that person up. That's her motivational fucking speaker. It's been... Uh -huh. Like setting up zooms and shit with her online, getting her back in her, her mental state. Anyway, you know the fuck. <laughs> hey man, well, she was thing. she was back. That's the thing that I feel like maybe we touch on more than other MMA podcasts. But then again, I'd have to listen to other MMA podcasts to even know. But it is the mental thing. The mental part of this game is so tough. And of course, we can be as casual fans as we want and and love the knockouts that we do and and not want to see the judges get involved but you can't deny that this does take a toll <laughs> you know we've seen many fighters not be able to come back <clears throat> and when you see guys like john jones who have who haven't even put together impressive wins in years Man. talk about wanting to fight the best version of stipe miocic that he can you're like hey dude just shut the fuck up you don't need to talk at all just be in the octagon nobody you're doing too much to make the audience pay attention to what happens to you outside of the octagon. We became fans of him because of his octagon skills and what he did there. Now he's becoming this weird celebrity athlete who's doing fucked up things, saying fucked up shit, and that's not the personality that we want you to be or we're going to support as a heavyweight, as a light heavyweight, as a champion. We just can't. It's not interesting. 
because John Jones is one of these guys that from the age of 23 had skills to finish anybody and he's not finishing anybody. No. That's what we got. We don't need work. We need action. Dude. Uh, speaking of finishing somebody, Tyson Pedro, uh, he looked pretty good. I well, what do we expect? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Man, Ike Villain Okay. Now that guy's 18 and 14. He's been knocked out eight times, submitted five times. I think it's, uh, might be time to, to be done with this guy. Okay. Uh, uh, Another finish that I liked but was surprising, Jordan Wright, Marc-Andre Berriot. That one was great for the fact of, you know, we kind of counted out Andre, Marc-Andre, you know, and he gets the, the submission. Good shit. It was. I will say this about Charles, Charles Jordan. I like this. I liked who he called out because that makes a lot of sense. He called out somebody that's right there that will answer a lot of questions about him as well. And uh, perhaps Edson Barboza is the uh, the gatekeeper of the division at this point, because I think Barboza is very well rounded, and that's what makes a great gatekeeper in the divisions is somebody who's going to test you anywhere. You can train for him, but it's going to be a surprise. I would like to see Charles Jordan versus uh, Edson Barboza for sure. Yeah, that would be great. And I will tell you, Jordan Wright, man, I still like that guy because he goes in and there's going to be a finish. When he's fighting, he's either finishing someone or he's getting finished. He got finished here, but I mean, I still look forward to seeing him, seeing him in his next fight. Me too. And same thing with the Claudio, Claudio Puelas. Uh, the dude got the fucking knee bar for the third one on Clay Guida. I just watched it again, and he had Clay Guida wrapped up <laughs> early, but Clay almost got away, and then he said, "No, nah, I'll go ahead, run. I'm grabbing your leg. That's exactly what I wanted you to do, guy. You fell into the trap." This guy's dangerous, dude. <laughs> because even yeah. the things, even the things that uh, he said during the pre-fight interviews, was very interesting of a young fighter. He's a guy that's like, you know, I know he's got more fights, but if he if he underestimates me, that's going to be a, as big as you know, and that shows me a level of confidence. That is a mental thing, you know. He believes in his skill set, and nobody else is doing knee bars, dude. <laughs> nobody. This guy, yeah, no one's done three for sure. But this guy, he's like a skilled Ryan Hall, only 25 years old. And, uh, yeah, man, I mean, Clay Guida, we talked about it before. He had 10 submission losses coming into this, 10 submission wins. But have you ever seen Clay Guida get that controlled on the ground? Clay Guida's usually moving so much. I mean, it's hard to keep him in one, one fucking area like that. And he just got totally controlled on Dude was just underneath of him. Every time I thought Clay was getting away, changed it up, had him trapped, couldn't go anywhere, and bam, that knee bar, he switched to it so quick, it was over with. Yeah, the thing I think about this Claudio guy is his uh, his body type is underestimating. He's not a very muscular dude, but I think he's also carrying his weight properly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's 5'11", too. That's And uh, so... Speaking of something else we've never seen before, Jessica Andrade with the, the standing arm triangle choke on Amanda mm-hmm. Lemus. And the thing that got me in this fight is, so Lemus come out throwing a, throwing uh, some kicks, some head kicks. She didn't land anything that, that I've really seen with too much force. She was throwing punches. She didn't really land much. But the announcers were just like going fucking, they were, I know. Like, they were going crazy over her. Oh my god! And then, you know, the the fight was over with. T- two minutes, the fight was done, and the announcer was like, "Amanda was looking so great, so great until that happened." It's like, dude, the fight had just fucking started. It was a you know, it's slated for five rounds. Uh, Jessica Andrade, she's no no hurry to fucking do anything. It's you know, she just fucking grabbed her and choked her standing up. Being mm-hmm. the 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 smaller fighter, it was very impressive. I like it, but I also noticed the same thing when the fight was over where they just can't stop gloating about her. They can't stop talking about how impressive it was, how awesome it was. It was the first time that it happened in the female division, standing arm triangle, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, dude, you guys are talking about this lady as if she's going to go on a fucking streak and be the champion. They can't be dethroned. And fuck that. They all stink, dude. I don't care about the finish. I don't care about... 
the five rounds, every single female fight that I've seen in the last five years has been trash. It's been embarrassing to watch. The most impressive thing was when she slammed Rose on her head. I'm out now. Keep doing it then. If it's so special, keep fucking doing it. Stop making every single accolade the greatest thing you've ever done in life. And it's not even them that do it. It's everybody around them. Hey, man, shut up, dude. It's not that impressive because a dude that has seven fights on his record can get the same finish on the prelims and they're not going to be like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. We got the future champion. Oh, my God. She's going to. That's too much. It's too much. You're embarrassing yourself because you know that's not the case. Andrade is going to fight somebody else who's more on her level next and she's going to lose. That's just what it is, dude. Well, we've not seen anything else more, anything impressive in a long time. I'll just think how interesting that uh, you take that away about the announcers uh, all over uh, Jessica. And I take away the other, the, the announcers all over Amanda because they were, man. They were all, they were just talking, oh my gosh, she was looking so great up until that point. Dude. Well, they got to make her sound like she's a contender. They got to make her also sound like she's a contender she's because they, they don't have anybody, dude. The taller fighter, and she couldn't get out of that fucking... I mean, she just grabbed her. I feel like most people could got out of that. If she's well, any good, she would have fucking gotten out of that. That's why it's frustrating when they say these things about Jessica Andrade is because she's been around for so long and she's had great success. So why are you so surprised? This is somebody she shouldn't even have been fighting. You guys are just That's so how I feel. They're so desperate for a star, man. Any finish from any female is going they're going to fucking throw money her way. They're going to give her another it's gross. There's no storylines. There's no interesting personalities. Okay? I mean, we got Macy Barber and we're fucking leaning on her hard. <laughs> we almost <laughs> gave up already. You yeah. Know I mean? yeah, I had so, given up pretty much. Oh man, that Macy, uh, who's the other one? The French fighter that's got the couple knockouts. Oh, blinded. Farrat. Uh, yeah. She's nasty too, but she's also not a personality. She's just a good fighter. So there is a difference in those two. I mean, Macy's great as well, but there's a consistency level that they don't have in any female division. I mean, the, like I said, Nunez was the last one where she kept winning. I just saw Holly Holmes is headlining a card in the next couple months. You're like, she's still fighting, dude? Yeah. <laughs> How much money did they offer? And see, they, they have this ultimate fighter coming up. That yeah. you can make, you can kind of make a, a female star on there. There's eight eight females on this card or on the show, but you know this. The last season of the show, no one branded themselves. No one, no one did anything outrageous. No one did anything that stuck out. Mm-hmm. And these women that they're having on the show, I mean, so I was just looking at at their records. You got a lady that's thirty four years old. She's two and one. I mean, she's almost over the hill already. I hate to say it. I'd say you got a lady that's thirty-five. She's two and one. A lady that's thirty-three. She's four and two. You do have a lady that's thirty-three. That's seven and two. That's the the best record by far. Are they also old? Yeah. <laughs> you got. I mean, you got a couple couple young people. You got one twenty-six. She's three and one. Twenty-five. She's two and one. Two and one, man. We the have a one. guy who's signed in the UFC right now that's not even twenty-one. <laughs> Okay, where are these female fighters? They got to be somewhere. They got they, they got to dig them up from somewhere. My gosh, they got to be better better options out there than what what I'm reading right here. Well, Younger and undefeated. I think a lot of them are just falling into competitive jujitsu because they don't want to get hit. They can get just as popular on Instagram by just doing competitive <laughs> jujitsu and taking photos on a beach. Instead instead of being punched in the face, right? Otherwise, we would have a 21-year-old, a 22-year-old, a 23-year-old trying to be on the Ultimate Fighter, even attempting to be on the Ultimate Fighter, because there obviously is a long, arduous process to get to this point of being Mm. on the show. Where are all they? Did they just beat up all the young women and these fucking, you know, (laughs) single moms are out here? (laughs) I don't know, man. Taking head? You would think they could find someone that's undefeated, at least. I mean... Two and one, three and one, two and one, three and two. They're not gonna make a star out of someone that's that's three three only three wins and two losses when they're fighting nobody's in the first place. Absolutely, and these don't even count. Yeah. Five and four. I mean, come on. Anyway. How is that even gonna be watchable? I mean, they're getting away with such <laughs> shit television with these 
streaming services, you know? This can't yeah. go on Spike TV. Because they put the men and women in the same house, maybe that'll make it watchable. <laughs> I mean, we might as well just smash the flyweight men with the females and make the whole thing interesting. Get them fighting each other. I need a Cejudo versus any woman because that's the only time I'm going to watch a Cejudo fight. Jeez. You know, I just um, <laughs> realized they have a 43-year-old man on this car on this show that's five and four. Whoa. What the fuck? <laughs> He's just whole, I mean, I know they need some heavyweights, but goodness gracious. At least they do have some undefeated ones on there. Five, two guys that are 5-0, and oh, a guy that's 6-0. and oh, But anyway, let's... Uh, Shout out to the group, though, man. A lot of people came in this time again and made yeah. picks. I love it. I didn't do great. I was dead even, 5-5. Five and five. Yeah, I was 6-4, and four, but no one did that great on this card. The best in the group was 7-3. and three. Yeah. You know, I mean, who had Michael Jackson fucking winning when he didn't yeah. win? The man did. To win, you should do something that qualifies as winning. Something. Well, I could I go have- in there and just get poked in the fucking eye and, and get a payoff and say I won. I did go out of my I didn't go out of my way, but I was on Twitter earlier and I, I saw that uh, Abdelaziz, you know that Khabib's manager. Oh, Tahuto's manager. He's man. He's the bald guy that you see in the octagon after Khabib wins and hugs him, and he's always wearing a suit. But you know for sure he doesn't wear a suit often, so it looks weird on his body. It's like if Joe Rogan put on a suit. It just doesn't work for your bald head. Anyways, uh, the dude tweeted. He's like something something about respect on Aljamain. Uh, the only matchup that anybody wants to see is Aljamain versus Cejudo. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this guy's dumb as shit. <laughs> I literally just, re- I quote tweeted him and I said, this guy says the dumbest shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's dumb as fuck to me. And I think anybody who likes MMA, that's dumb as shit. Who's a fan of a Henry Cejudo? Please stand up. Please pick these fights in, in our group. It's available on the show notes. I mean, what are we like? So Hudo is the worst. He wasn't interesting to watch as a fighter. Nobody gave a fuck about his Olympic accolades. Nothing, dude. He's strange looking. He's he's dude. If you just saw that guy when you turn the corner at a fucking Target, you would probably drop everything you were carrying. <laughs> ah, what the fuck is that? And he fights, so he's angry. Great. Last thing, I mean, history has if history has taught us nothing, it is one thing. A man that is, has the ability to fight. That is also under five five. He's probably going to take over some shit. So you definitely don't want him to get followers. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't want people being like, "Nah, I like what Cejudo's saying. This all makes sense. We should all wear crowns." And you know, like fucking cr- dude. <laughs> well, let's get to this next let- card, man. No, uh, I'm done. At the <laughs> the UFC Apex in Vegas again, dude. Travel. Take this fucking thing on the road. Let's see some 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 crowds. While we're watching on ESPN Plus, but uh, I don't believe this ESPN uh, fight group. I don't. I don't think the order is correct. Usually, the last card it was this card. I don't think they're going to have Alexander Romanov fighting Chase Sherman first. But anyway, if they do, uh, Romanov minus three thousand favorite. That's like one of the up there for one of the most I've ever seen. And that's because he's undefeated. He's fifteen and zero. He just knocked out a Jared Vandera, which everyone's done. And uh, Chase Sherman, he's a knockout master. A master of getting knocked out. The guy has lost his last three fights. This is like his third or fourth time in the UFC. He's 3-8 and in the UFC. All his wins are knockouts. 15 wins. But he's been knocked out four times. And the man is going to get knocked out fairly quickly. I agree. I mean, and dude's undefeated. This fight was supposed to take place on this last card. Yes. Chase Sherman was already fired, and they brought him <laughs> back. And this is a this is a Romanoff feeding. This is the state of the heavyweight division right here. Ab- absolutely. And uh, anyway, the next bout, uh, uh, Tutsuro Tierra. I don't know if I'm saying it. Uh, versus Carlos Condelario. All right, so uh, this Tierra guy is only 22 years old. This is UFC debut. The guy is 10 and 0. His last three fights, he's won by uh, all rear naked choke wins. So this, uh, I'm going with him. Uh, Candelero, he was on a contender series. Uh, he won a decision. 
wasn't that impressive he didn't get signed. He, he fought somewhere else, won, came back to contender series and lost a split decision. And then he gets signed later on. Doesn't make much sense, but yeah, that's why I didn't go with him. Yeah, I think I have to go with the undefeated fella. You know, just because he's undefeated. And now we have this female fight. Huh, you got uh, Gina Mazzani versus Shanna. It's a doesn't matter. Shanna Young, it doesn't matter. Man, fucking seven and five versus eight and five. They might as well put these girls on the damn Ultimate Fighter coming up. So uh, Gina, she's lost two of her last three. Uh, both of them were knockout losses. So maybe we'll see a finish. But I doubt it because Young, she's lost three of her last four. So, but I mean, they're both terrible. Flip a fucking coin. It's going to a decision, and uh, I got Gina taking it. Who the fuck knows? Same. All right. Now, this guy, Nathan Levy. All right. How the fuck? Dude, how hard was that for me not to say Nathan? Pretty damn impressive. Versus Mike Breeden. All right. So, Nathan, he's only 5'6". He was undefeated, and then he, he fought uh, Rafa Garcia and uh, lost to a decision. This guy, he's only, he's only 6 and 1. You know, when you're 6 and 0, oh, don't put the man up against Rafa Garcia. Let him have a couple more fights first. So, uh, yeah, Mike Breeden, he's 10 and 4, eight knockout wins. He's 5'10, so he's uh, four inches taller than, than Levy. He was knocked out by Alexander Hernandez a minute and 20 in in his last fight, and that's why I went the other way and picked Nathan. Yeah, I'm going with Nathan too because I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's a submission guy. I think he's a ground guy. And uh, I don't know. I like him. I think there's real potential here. And you're right about who they put him against kind of earlier than they should have. And that, I mean, that is a difficult thing to sort of hash out when you put these fights together. It's like, you know, experience matters a little, right? I mean, a dude can have 50 fights and a dude with six fights can beat the hell out of him. It's anybody's night, but I, I like this guy, and I think he's a name we're going to remember because it's hard to forget it is Nathan without an H. So weird. But uh, yeah. next we got Gabe Green. This is Johan Leonis. All right, Gabe Green is 5'10". Johan is 6'1". Uh, Green, 10-3, six submissions, six three knockouts. Uh, his last fight, man, he had a, a decision win over Philip Rowe. And I had picked Philip Rowe in... Uh, yeah, I mean, this guy, he did beat him by decision. Uh, Johan, he was on a contender series. He knocked out uh, Justin Burleson on there. And Burleson, he was undefeated at the time. They were they, Both these guys were undefeated. And uh, you know, Burleson was 7-0. and And this guy knocked him out. He's got six knockout wins, two decision wins. And, uh, yeah, man, I, I think he's going to take it. Uh, maybe, a, maybe another knockout win for Johan. Yeah, I like that guy as well. Uh, I don't know much about Gabe Green. I don't remember seeing him. I feel like I've seen Johan at least once. Um, who knows, man? These, Like I said, these are the funner fights to pick because it, it's difficult. It is. I mean, 36% is. to 64, though. So, yeah, I'm going Johan. Now, this uh, Francisco Figueredo, uh, Daniel, Daniel uh, Lacerda. Okay, this, this Lacerda, man, he's only 25 years old. He's 11 and 2. Just like Jordan Wright, all his fights have been finishes. He's got five knockout wins, six submission wins. Both his losses, he was knocked out. So so uh yeah man, I, you know, Figueredo, 12 and 4, 12 4 and 1, seven submission wins, three knockouts. Both these guys are coming off losses and uh, they both mostly fought guys with losing records before they came to the UFC. And uh, Figueredo, he's, I went with him, man. I, I think he's got a little more experience and a bit, little more experience. And uh, yeah, I, I went his way. But who the hell knows, man? This is uh, this is like a toss up right here. I know seventy three percent of the people pick uh, Lacerda, but yeah, I went, I went the other way. We'll, we'll... Yeah, I'm gonna go with Lacerda here, uh, mostly because I'm not sure what this Figueredo brings to the table. And, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter either way. Like you said, we'll see. You know, we're going to learn a lot about both guys. All right, man. And uh, Christoph Jotko. This is Gerald Mearshart in the next fight. Uh, this Jotko, 
16 decision wins, man, out of his 23 wins. I looked up his last finish. It was in 2016. So his last fight was a split decision win over uh, Sirkanov, who is 15 and 8. So even though only 27% of the people picked uh, Mearshart, I went his way. The guy he fought Cam's at, got, he lost, of course. He's won three in a row since. He's got 26 submission wins. He's been submitted eight times himself. <laughs> been knocked out three times. But, uh, yeah, maybe I'm thinking maybe he'll get Jotko down and, uh, you know, play around with him on the ground, maybe pick up that submission. You know, <clears throat> I agree with you there. That visual makes the most sense to me. Because I have not seen Jotko come in and do what he's capable of. It's like he's always kind of on his back foot. And if Mearshart's confident, he's dangerous. And I think the Kamzat fight was a good showing for somebody who who let the the hype get to him. Mm. I think if he went at Kamzat again, it would be a longer fight. Because uh, Mearshart's tough as nails, man. Mm. He's one of these guys that's just fun to watch. He goes in there, he can get the finish. Um, but Jocko, he, he's a... He's inconsistent, man. He's either around or he's not around or he's fighting guys that are below his level. It's I'm going to go with Mearshot, I think. All right. I know Mearshot was talking some shit earlier. <laughs> here's how I think he finishes. I think it's a decision, though. Okay. I don't. I think they're going to – because Jocko, you know, the difference with the, the, the male fighter and the female fighter when they talk about decision wins, it's like you could make an argument for Jocko as being just tough as fuck and not being able to be put away or put the other guy away. So you can get a positive or negative there when it's like females, you're like, these are just long, arduous battles where they're kind of both doing the same thing. So you don't know who's better, you know? I'm sorry I keep bringing this up, but that fucking, the ultimate fighter thing is bothersome. I'm glad you had the ages ready to go for this episode. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Mere short, man. But wait, you said there's only eight, eight female fighters on the season? So what is that? Four fights? Yeah, that's a good question. That's uh, that's not enough. Well, <laughs> that's, that's one team. Uh, that's all. All that's announced, man. Okay, they can't. They couldn't find no way else. They're gonna bring in their Kimbo slice when, when the season starts. Some female <laughs> who's been doing backyard boxing. She's six <laughs> one. <laughs> that's what they need. Like, they need Jesus, something. what is? I'm telling you, and you know they exist, dude. Yeah. You know they exist. I mean, there's too many women that are that are willing to talk that good shit and get into bar fights, but they're not willing to go in there. And yet they still exercise, but they're not willing to train to be actually good at fighting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they can be really dangerous. They're good at talking shit. Let's see what they do in yeah, the that, octagon. That's what's announced for the heavyweights. It's eight guys and women's flyweight, eight girls. I don't know. Okay, maybe, yeah. Maybe right. these are... Um... Yeah, maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised. They just stuck these names out there to fuck with people. Who knows? But, uh, now nah, Mir Sharp, man, he was, uh, talking shit about, um, O'Malley earlier. He said that he wants to get on the plan, on the O'Malley plan where he's just fighting scrubs, <laughs> earning an easy paycheck. But, uh, Absolutely. dude, this next fight, anytime you see Darren Elkins, it's always pretty gritty, this fight. He's, every, I mean, it seems like, the fights he's in, he's in trouble, he grinds it out, and he's fucking, next thing you know, he's winning the fight. But uh, it's him versus uh, Tristan Conley. Now, this Con this Conley guy is Canadian. He's uh, he's back. He uh, it was uh, been gone a year. He had a second neck surgery uh, because of his battle with Pat Sabatini. Uh, and his last fight was decision loss. He had won five straight. This guy's 14 and 7. I don't know if he's ready. In my opinion, I don't know if he's ready for Darren Elkins. I know Darren Elkins is getting up there in the, in experience and uh he's lost 5 of 5 of his last 7, but and maybe his time has come, but I'm going with Elkins, man, until this guy can prove otherwise. Well, I think it's because Elkins is one of those guys that nobody can train for. You can't train for what the, like I mean, it's the same thing with Clay Guida. There's nothing to train for. Just be prepared to fight for a long time because it's probably going to happen and that's what darren elkins brings too it's like yeah this guy is well-rounded as shit and mm -hmm. anywhere it goes i have an opportunity to lose or win and uh since you said the guy's been gone and he battled a guy who's ground heavy i think that's darren's thing and i think this is a submission in the first round wow you know this guy he's got this uh this con i want to say oh this Connolly. he's got nine submission wins 
But I mean, uh, Elkins fought Derek Minner, and Minner had him on the ground all the first round before Elkins come back. So I don't see this guy doing any better than that. Betty, let's yeah, move. I don't think. <laughs> I can see it going with the way you said, man. First round submission, and uh, yeah, this 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 Connolly guy, he's not he's not even the one I even remember. Yeah, I like Pat Sabatini. So, uh, I <laughs> uh, Jared Jared Gordon versus Grant Dawson. All right, Gordon, he's nineteen and four. He's got ten of his wins or decisions. Uh, his four losses, all of them, he's been knocked out in. So I thought that was wild. He has won his last three. The last time he got a finish was in 2017. Grant Dawson, 11 submission wins, 4 knockout wins. His last fight was a draw with Ricky Glenn. I'll forgive, man, the guy's 17-1. and one. I, I, I have to go his way. I don't have any choice. Grant Dawson, he's only 28. I think he'll be around a while. And, and I think, you know, he may be a problem in coming up. Well, he should have already been. Yeah, for real. Grant Dawson came came on the scene with an undefeated record, right? Mm. And then where did he go? Injury, uh, time off, something in between happened because we've seen this happen with, a, like, Arnold Allen was that type of guy. Arnold Allen came on the scene undefeated, disappears, comes back, and you're like, wait, uh, you'd be further up the rankings already if you stuck around. Why'd you do that? But I think... What I want to see more from Grant Dawson is a more well-rounded game. You know, being 17-1-1, that's all well and good. But he's doing the same thing essentially every fight. And fine if they can't stop it. And I don't think Jared Gordon is going to do that in this fight. But I want to see Grant, you know, go on the showcase, dude. Show us why you're, you should be a contender. Because just being able to take a dude down and not let him get up doesn't really make for a, an interesting champion. I got you, man. Uh, Andre Feely, or Philly, versus Joe Anderson, Britta, the next fight. Uh, Britta, 12-3, and three, uh, lost the decision in his last fight, which which was his UFC debut. And, uh, yeah, man, only, what, 17% of the people picked him? Fuck it, man, I'm going for him. Because this Andre uh, Philly guy, okay, he's fought he's fought some of the best guys around, and he's lost to most of them. I mean, I know he's 21 and 8. Fucking 83% of the people went with him. And we'll see, man. But uh, call me crazy. I'm going the other way, man. I'm going with Joe Anderson Britta. It's kind of upsetting just because I was going to do the same thing. This was going to be my toss-up fight on the card. Because I had seen it posted when I was watching old fights, uh, the last week's fights. They showed this fight taking place. And I'm like, hmm, Andre Feely's been a name that's kind of been around. You know, he was with the alpha male and shit. But to me, he's not. He's still so goddamn inconsistent. And let me say this. He hasn't really fought better people per se, but he's fought names. He's fought guys that you know. And the only thing I haven't seen from Feely is a, a drastic improvement, a, a lane, a direction to go down to what type of fighter he is. And I think Brito just has more power. I think there's more power. I think Feely's going to want to try to strike, and he's going to be out-muscled. Ah, man. I'm gonna. I'm just going to go Brito, too, dude. We're going to stay right. on the same page here. I agree with everything you say on that one, man. Everything you just fucking said. You'd like, you'd like to think that Feely would get to a point where he would be more successful because he's able to get these names. You know what I'm saying? He's getting these names because of the camp that he's from. You know, he has an in with uh, Uriah Faber, Dana White, I'm sure, and you're not seeing the success. You're not seeing the consistency or or major improvements after losses. Speaking of old, did we say that? <laughs> no. <laughs> we do have Andre Arlowski. He's back again. All right, Andre Arlowski is fighting Jake Collier. All right, 81% is going with Arlowski in this one. He's 33 and 20. I mean, the man's been around forever. He's fought in every single attempted competition with the UFC. Uh, Jake Collier, don't know anything about him, uh, much like most of the heavyweights. He's 13-6, and six, though. What do you got? All right, so Jake Collier, he's uh, his last fight, he beat Chase Sherman. That's what caused Chase Sherman to be released again. But uh, he didn't knock out Chase Sherman like everyone else does. Uh, if I recall, I think he knocked him down 
and then took him down, fucking choked him out. All right. This guy. So, you know, I'm just going to fucking go to his page, like, onto his record real quick, because I, I want to look at something. He fought, before Chase Sherman, it was uh, Carlos Philippe. He lost to a split decision. Okay. Philippe, let's look at his record. He's uh, 11-2. and two. All right. Not bad. Not bad. Before then, he fought... Now, I know I'm going to say the name wrong, but it's uh, uh, Gian Valente. Oh, Gian Valente. Gian Valente. Okay, he won via decision, all right? The only problem with that, man, the guy is fucking 17 and 14. Come on, you yeah. beat this guy by decision? The guy's been knocked out six fucking times, man. So that, uh, yeah, man, if he can't knock that guy out, you know, Orlowski, how many times has he been knocked out in his career? Oh, let me take a peek here while we're, uh, fuck it. I'm just going to hold up the show while I'm very curious. I'll I'll, I'll vamp, dude, because. 11 fucking times. Okay, so that's, he's got 20 losses and he's been put, put away 11 times. Mm -hmm. Those 11 fighters that knocked out Arlowski are only known for knocking out people. That's it. (laughs) They don't have any other skills. So it's like, he went in there with one thing to do. Avoid being knocked out because it's what this guy does. Well. And that was early in his career. Arlowski's just one of those. He's a road dog. I guess my point is, he's one uh, of these. Jake Collier's not fucking knocking him out, and I think Orlowski wins decision. That's what I was going to say too, because I think this is one of those fights where it's like, yeah, Arlowski's essentially the gatekeeper. He's a name. He's a, he looks good on your record. Uh, whether you win or lose, the fact that you fought him can sell you to another organization and get you new fights. But is Arlowski going to be a champion? Is he going to no. fight for a title or even face contenders? No. This is what we talk about when we say the gatekeeper term. It is just a dude who's sort of in the middle of the division. He's not ranked, but he still fights high enough on the card where he's the co-main event. <laughs> you know what I mean? This late in his career shouldn't be happening. I mean, Clay Guida was the co-main event of the last event. What are we doing, guys? We got the old, because they don't have, there's no stars coming, dude. There's no stars. Nobody wants to be a star. Nobody wants to be Conor McGregor. And if you try to attempt something similar, they think you're Colby Covington. It's getting weird, man. <laughs> There's nothing. I'm fucking. Who's your I'm, favorite fighter? Right. I'm desperate, desperate for a heavyweight star. I mean, the days with the, the 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 top names, the the people I wanted to watch, they were the fucking heavyweight division, man. Anyone can get knocked out with one punch. I mean, Brock Lesnar. Uh, Carwin, uh, fuck, I mean, Overeem, the, the days of having these, even Steven Struve, I mean, he didn't knock out very many people, but he was just fun to watch, a guy that fucking tall, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know, man, we need some heavyweight stars, <sighs> hopefully they can string together some, somebody in this ultimate fighter, build them up, and we'll have somebody brand them up. Maybe someone uh, takes a shit on somebody's bed or something, does something memorable, no matter what the fuck it is. Yeah, I mean, Mo Green was our last. I mean, the Crochet Boss was the last interesting heavyweight to come from an Ultimate Fighter, right? That's it. Why was he interesting? You tell me. Is he talk the most? He got drunk the most? Sure. But he he didn't have a a fucking LLC to go home to when he was done with the Ultimate Fighter, you know? Yeah. Oh, exactly, man, exactly. So then we got Rob Font versus uh, Marlon Vera. So Font, man, this is, this is, I just want to point this out. This is his third fight in a row that's a uh, main event, five Carter. And I, like I don't believe Vera's ever gone into five rounds. So, you know, this, is, this could could be a good test for his cardio. And, uh, yeah, Rob Font, he's won four of his last five. He did lose that decision loss in his last fight to, to Aldo. Uh, Vera, the guy's never been finished. Man. It's 18 and 7. All seven of those losses were decisions. And he's won three of his last four. His last fight, his last loss, was also the the, the Jose. And, uh, yeah, I just think uh, Rob Font's probably going to outpoint the guy. You know, I like... I like uh your belief in the decision because i do think it's going to go something similar but i got cheeto you know i mentioned when he fought i think it was o'malley i i didn't like the way he came off you know i think he flipped him off or some shit while they were fighting but he apologized in the end and i i did say that you know i get it you're in the middle of a fight but also come on come on 
have a little more respect for the game. You know, you're not Nate Diaz, okay? I hope somebody already bought that NFT, by the way. I hope it's somebody he doesn't like. Brendan Schaub. <laughs> Brendan Schaub buys the Nate Diaz flipping off the camera in the triangle. Um, yeah, dude, uh, this is going to be a fun fight. It's going to tell us a lot about both these dudes, and it's going to say where they belong in the division. Uh, whether one guy or the other. I think both guys could be fighting for the belt, honestly, and put up a fight. But this is going to answer who deserves it more to me. And I, I like Chito Vera. He's been a fun dude to watch since he came up, came into the UFC. And Rob Font's just been consistent. You know, he's been consistent. And he's also a fun guy to watch as well. And I think this is going to be a war. It's going to be a real long fight or somebody's going to sleep early. And it could go either way. But I, I do. I just like saying uh, Cheeto more. All right. How many strikes did you have just going? I got 158. Wow, man. That's pretty fucking close to me. I got 163. That's funny. Because we both nice. were thinking along the lines of decisions. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm like, yeah, this is going to be a long one. I even thought it could have been more than that because they're fast guys. You know, they're, they're oh. smaller dudes. But how interesting that you brought up, you know, that the heavyweights were the division of the guys that were the most dangerous and you could create a star of. And we had somebody like Brock Lesnar at one point, and you're absolutely right. The heavyweight division makes that difference. But remember, I feel like we both really came into the UFC as fans because of the light heavyweight division, the 205 mm-hmm. division. That was the division. And they said it often. They talked about how crazy that 205, you were getting insane fights no matter how high on the card it was. Okay, do you remember when Anderson Silva came to 205 and fought James Irvin, the Sandman? He was the first time Anderson Silva fought at 205, and he caught this dude's kick and just won down Oh, the yeah, I do remember that. I think that was on Spike. Absolutely. Dude went down. Kick and that was the end it, of him. <laughs> it made everything you believed Anderson Silva to be that much more real, and it just exploded the 205 division even more because now you're thinking the matchups with fucking Anderson Silva, dude. Right, Tito Ortiz, there was just so many options. But even before Silva came over, you had Chuck Liddell, Rashad Evans, Forrest Griffin, Stefan Bonner. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, at one point, Rich Franklin was at 205. A lot of guys that were between 185 and even the lower part of heavyweight were coming to 205 because of the matchups. It got insane. And trilogies back then were only done because the first two fights were so bizarre, you had to see a third one. Mm-hmm. And now they're doing trilogies where it's like, well, these guys had uh, a loss and a win. Might as well go for a third. It's like <laughs> nobody wanted to see Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier. Nobody wanted to see Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz. The only th- I would rather see Conor McGregor versus a guy with seven fights, a guy n- nobody knows. Why do we? Ha- why does it have to be a fucking fight that you're like, well, we can make two hundred million from this? Have you not got enough, dude? Right? Because Sam, if you look deep. The people that bought the UFC after uh, Fertitas, right, or whatever those fucking guys were, they're the same people that manage, like, Channing Tatum, <laughs> you know, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It's this giant corporation that runs the UFC. So you can't sit here and tell me or make an argument that they don't love the idea that somebody who's popular on social media as a fighter like Mike Jackson or Nate Diaz or Brendan Schaub. They could easily have already offered Brendan Chop a contract, especially a heavyweight right now, dude, because he's already popular popular enough as a comedian, I guess. Speaking of which, a special drops in like three days. Be sure to watch that on YouTube for free. Leave a fun comment. <laughs> I bet his likes and dislikes are off. <laughs> uh, but honestly, people would pay to see that fight. They would pay to see Brendan Chop fight because his popularity outside of the octagon, because of how desperate they are now. And I guarantee you they've offered contracts to popular Instagram influencers that also train BJJ that are women. Like, hey, fucking, we'll come over to the Apex. We'll get you, you know, get you a boxing coach for three weeks, and then we'll get you in there because of the desperation, man. But also the storylines are what they love so much more that's becoming the WWE. And we are constantly seeing this. But there is a love there where it's like, I do like the idea of these guys having personalities, but you also dislike guys that have specific personalities when it came to wrestling too that was the idea you always had a heel you're supposed to dislike colby covington you're supposed to want to watch his fights to see him lose okay and then there's other guys that you're like i want to watch because i think he's gonna win and the best part about ufc is it's a real 
violence. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But we still like those storylines, but it can still just as be, it can be just as corny. Like I say, I don't like Henry Cejudo. Would I not watch him fight Dillashaw again to see Dillashaw hopefully win? Yeah. I'd love to see Henry Cejudo lose. Am I going to miss a fight for any reason? No. <laughs> I'm watching all of them, uh, especially UFC, but fucking great episode, dude. I don't know if you already cut it off, but either no, way. No, I haven't. And I was going to say, you know, I wouldn't even mind, it, to be honest with you, like you were saying, they, hey, they probably offer contracts to influencers on Instagram, shit like that. You know, the state of this women's division is so, all the, hell, all the women's divisions are so bad. I wouldn't even care if they say, hey, we brought in these these uh, eight women. They're from fucking Instagram. They think they're tough. They never fought before. Hey, it, at least you maybe will get one star out of them after it's all said and done. You put them fighting right. against you. Somebody's going to get a damn finish somewhere. And you're right. All, these women fights, someone's sitting on top of the other one, doing nothing. Decision, decision, decision. Man, mix them up. Let's do something different. And if, if this is something you're seeing consistently, how come they haven't reached out to the ones that are prominent in BJJ? Yeah. Get a champion who's going to take you down and try to finish you. But you're right. Here's what you do. You start a UFC Bad Girls Club. It's just a show called UFC Bad Girls Club, and it's fucking eight women who drink their asses off. They're, they work out every day to somehow you know, feel better about how much damage they do at night to themselves and everyone around them. And then they put him in a fucking octagon and say, you got to fight uh, Marissa today, Kelly. <laughs> you know, because they're all, that's those bitches' names for sure. Um, but dude, fun episode. Right. Guys, join the fucking group. You know, pick the fights with us. It's in the show notes. Follow us on all the social medias because I guess it matters, dude. It matters. We don't have enough followers on Twitter yet for us to be a relevant enough podcast. <laughs> but get that shit out. <laughs>